Hey, welcome to the Relentless Positivity Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Martin. Hey, I've got a guest today that he's a man, he's seen the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. I mean, all the way up from winning a World Series ring to spending three and a half years in jail. So, and now he's on a mission to help people avoid the mistakes that he made and just let you know that uh, what a mist- whatever mistakes you've made, they don't define you. So Brandon, I think that's a very important mus- message. So Brandon Puffer, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah, it's an awesome intro. It's exactly my mission now is to try to use the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, be it from my career or my mistakes, my choices, my consequences to maybe encourage others and help them maybe not go through that same pitfall that I, I got into. That's it, man. If we all just kind of keep our pain and darkness inside that we have, no one can learn from it, right? So you can get out there and I know it's tough. I know it's tough. I'm sure it's been some hard times you've gone through. So I appreciate the effort. So let's just bring it way back. So did you, did you always want to play in the major leagues? I did. I did, Joe. Since I was very, very little, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. I played a little bit of everything in terms of sports. Um, but yeah, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. That was my mind was set on that. I was pretty, pretty uh, focused on that the entire time from for as long as I can remember. And, you know, my folks would say stuff like, hey, you got to get on your homework. Go do this. And I don't recommend this, but I say things like, oh, I'm going to be a big league ball player. I don't got to worry about it. So, <laughs> not true, but that was my mindset at the time. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of kids are like that. They just assume. I mean, I I thought I was going to end up in the NFL. I wasn't even that good. I just assume I was going to get. There may have just an excuse not to study, right? So, uh, who who are the guys you grew up enjoying watching? Who are your guys? Who are your heroes growing up in the major leagues? Oh yeah, great question. I grew up in Southern California. My dad was a huge Dodger fan. Uh, today's a rough day. Vince Scully passing away yeah. as we uh, as we record this. But uh, yeah, that's what I grew up with is the the Dodger on TV. My dad had a little thing with the Dodger dust on the TV, his hat in the right spot. It was all good luck. So guys like, I mean, Kurt Gibson's home run in the 88 World oh, Series, yeah. the biggest moment of my life. My dad and I tore the living room up. <laughs> uh, but I looked up to guys like uh, Fernando Valenzuela, Earl Hershiser. Um, Dave Winfield was a huge impact on me because he simply took time to throw me a baseball um, when we were at Anaheim State at the time. And so I just I realized early on, like, what an effect you can have on someone, just a gesture of, here you go, kid, here's a ball, and right. you know, always a huge fan of his as well. Oh, man, I, that's the guy, because that's when I was, I was a big baseball guy, I was, I was a big Cubs fan growing up, so around that same era, that Sean yeah. Dunstan and Ryan Sandberg, so they were big, played against those guys. I love how Fernando Valdez used to look up at his thing in his hat each time, so those that are good. That was super neat, yeah, good, good. yeah, hey, man, when I, Southern California, if I stayed home from school, you know, on WGN, there's going to be a day game on. So I love watching the Cubbies and Keith Moreland and Ron Say and all the guys you just mentioned. I, I was right there with you. Oh, yeah. Those are good times, man. So uh, so let me ask you, you actually made the dream happen. So what was that moment you get that you find out, hey, I've been drafted into the major leagues? Where, where were you when that happened? Yeah, it, it was obviously super cool and super humbling. I was actually at high school. I was a senior in high school um, before social media, cell phones, all that stuff. And um they had drafted me, they contacted my parents, my parents contacted the school, and they announced it over the intercom at the high school. Wow. So congratulations, Brandon Puffer got drafted to the Minnesota Twins. Um, obviously, it's kind of the first step, that's, that's, that's a big deal, but there's a long journey ahead, little did I know. But you, you know, at that point, you're like, cool, I got an opportunity, but the real thing is I want to make it to the big league. So that was the first time that happened. And then in April, gosh, let me get these dates right, uh, 17, 2002 is when I made, um, got the call to the big leagues with the Astros. So that was kind of the next moment of all that hard work, all those things culminating. And I still, to this day, just absolutely love watching guys make their debut. It's oh, so yeah. Awesome. yeah. That's cool, man. If you had announced me over the high school 
intercom. You couldn't have told me nothing, man. I, I, I'd, have, <laughs> I'd have floated around that school. So I bet that was a great feeling. But uh, tell me a little bit about your minor league days. I mean, I'm, I, that's some, uh, if people don't know about minor league, that's a different beast for sure. So tell a little bit about that because it's not all oh. five-star hotels and, and flights and all that good stuff. No, quite the opposite, man. It's a uh, funny story because uh, high school in California goes a little later than some places. So <clears throat> literally when I got drafted, I was in conversation with the Twins after I signed and they said, hey, day after graduation, you've got to be in Fort Myers, Florida, because the rookie ball season already started. Okay, good deal. I got a little pamphlet, showed their high stadium, packed on 4th of July, I'm pumped. And then you get there, rookie ball is playing on the side field at noon, zero <laughs> fans, unless a family or girlfriend's in town. Um, yeah, obviously, I mean, we all know you don't, you, that they're not making, we're not making much money. And, um, but, you know, all that said, it is a little, it can be a little bit of a grind and kind of worked my way up many small towns and Gosh, I played 15 years and, and very little of that was big league time, just parts of four of those years. So just tons of minor league time. And I treasure those memories. I really do. Like the long bus rides, the teammates kind of all pulling for the same thing. And just really cool, actually. Some of the minor league stuff that goes on at the stadiums is different. It's not quite so corporate. And so I actually really enjoyed it. Obviously, the goal is let's get out of here and move up. Right. Um, but, but I did. I, I did have some very fond memories of the minor league days. And and we really bonded real early, especially that first group, because we're all 18 years old, fish out of water across the country, um, you know, pro baseball players. I'm doing quote, air quotes because, <laughs> you know, we're nothing. We're, we're just 18-year-old kids who just got drafted. So, uh, but very neat, very cool memories in my leagues. Oh, that's great, man. Hey, if you're getting played to play ball, you're a pro, right? That's, that's a yeah. simple definition. So you're doing it, man. That's yeah. living the dream. So, so you get called up to the big leagues. What's that look like? Do you remember where you were when that happened? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Never forget that. Uh, we were, I was AAA in New Orleans um, with the Houston Astros, like I said, and the manager called me in his office and, you know, did the, hey man, I need you in Cincinnati. It was the Astros, but they're on the road in Cincinnati, you know, it's bullpen help. They need you there tomorrow. Well, you know, you're going to the big leagues, but just an awesome, surreal moment. You know, obviously made all those phone calls that you want to make with family and so on and so forth. And then, um, yeah, I flew out to Cincinnati the next day. Um, I arrived. I never forget walking into the old Cincinnati stadium. Um, just kind of seeing the jerseys that were already hanging up in the locker. And it was like Berkman and Bagwell and Biggio and just some big name dudes that I looked up to. And here's my jersey in a locker. And that's when I was like, oh, I'm here. I really made it here. So um, very cool moment. Yeah, I never forget. Uh, actually, I actually have a really cool story about my my uh, big league debut. Um, I, I came either that day or the next day. I, I don't remember. It was very soon. I think it was the day I got there. And, um, you know, I'm sitting down in the bullpen, just nervous as all get out. And uh, they called down and said, hey, Buffer's got the ninth inning. And I mean, man, the motions, the, the legs went numb, the whole deal. <laughs> and so I started warming up the bullpen, you know, ran out there, opened that gate, and I guess probably more floated to the mound. And uh, don't know how I got my warm-up pitches anywhere close. Couldn't feel my body, but there they were. And, man, I faced Todd Walker, was the first hitter. Feel bad because I always say this, and he's probably like, yeah, I don't know who this kid is. But um, I struck him out, and I'm like, oh, man, this is easy. And then, uh, you know, got another guy out. Barry Larkin hits a double. I smoked the guy in the back on accident. Now there's some traffic on the bases. And back, you know, back up a second, in spring training, Jimmy Williams is our veteran manager. Um, and he had, he had told us very clearly, if I come out to the mound, it's to pull you. It's not to talk. Uh, you know, I don't want to eliminate any of that, like, confrontation. Yeah. So here he comes, two outs, first and third. He comes walking out. And meanwhile, I just hear – Phoebe, like bombs going off in the bullpen. Billy Wagner's getting hotter, closer. And uh, I'm like, oh man, my debut. I'm walking off like this. Well, Jimmy comes out, I go to hand him the ball, and he's like, wait a minute. 
wait a minute. And I'm like, okay. And, uh, you know, all the infield comes in, those guys, and I'm just, my heart's beating a million, million beats per minute. And he goes, uh, so you got some family in town? You know, it's your big league debut. You have some phone calls to make. What's going on here? And I said, yeah, a couple of them flew in. I'll make a few calls. All right. He's like, well, what are you going to do for dinner? What do you know the Cincinnati area? You're going to eat in the clubhouse. You're going to go spend some money on your family? I said, I don't know, probably snack and then go out to dinner with my family. I said, okay, well, why don't you get this third out? So they're probably hungry and you can go eat. And I mean, <laughs> the, the veteran presence of just me just exhaling and going, man, let's just pitch again. And that's, you know, I ended up getting the next guy out on a strikeout. And it was just cool. I'll never forget that moment. And um, he, he just helped me in that veteran presence getting through that, that tough uh. time. That's so cool, man. I can imagine your shoulders just going down when you're just relaxing. Yeah. It was huge. It was exactly what I needed. And he had seen that before. He knew that, you know, you know, being in that situation, he'd seen it a million times. Like, yeah, I've seen these guys speed it up a little bit. I need to slow it down. So yeah. uh, it was perfect. It was awesome. Oh, man. The, the, the life of a professional baseball player is crazy. You're all over the map. There's, all, there's night games, there's day games. How do you balance kind of that personal life and baseball and make it all work? Yeah, great question. Uh, me personally, not very well, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, I, I, I was very hyper-focused on my routine and my, you know, had to, you know, daily routine, the whole deal. And then not only that, but balancing, you know, uh, away from the field, your downtime. And I was just kind of a, had addiction in my background, knew early on that I didn't handle, you know, alcohol and even like you know, drugs or promiscuity or, you know, chasing all those things. I just didn't handle them well. I was kind of all-in guy always over the top on things like that. And so that's where I really struggled. The baseball stuff, that's what I knew. I mean, I can outwork, I can out routine anybody, but it was off the field and kind of the mind and, and, and staying focused on the right things is where I struggled. Yeah. So what was this in your teenagers? How was your, how was your upbringing? Were you in some addiction issues growing up? Yeah. So I uh, had a great upbringing, actually. I grew up, like I said, in Mission Viejo, California, out in Orange County, you know, beach was close by, great weather. Um, so total dichotomy. My dad um, was, it was my hero, still is my hero. And he was 6'4", you know, 200 plus, big dude, was an athlete. We heard all the stories about him, you know, kind of had a temper, drank a lot, you know, and I was like, that's a man. That's what I want to be like. And um, so I did. I, I kind of gravitated pretty early on to the party scene and all that. That goes along with that. My mom, on the other hand, and they're still together this day, you know, just absolute gift, miracle from God she kind of gutted out some of those times and prayed through it but uh yeah she's a licensed minister with saddleback church some folks know about it. it's purpose-driven life Rick yeah. Warren. i mean literally uh ministry is her whole deal so it's like we're in church she's on us and then there's dad over here i'm like hey i, I, I want to be like that guy and so that was my friend but it was great and, and i mean then when i really took notice of faith and just different things because my mom to me was just like that was her thing like i i never knew any different my dad ended up changing his life. He got sober, we celebrate recovery at the church, um, changed his way, changed his behavior, changed everything. And I'm like, oh man, this is, there's something to this, what my mom's been talking about, because I just saw my dad do it. So I kind of knew those seeds were planted early, mm -hmm. but I was, uh, I was good at kind of just shoving it down. and going, oh, I'm going to go have fun. My dad had fun until he was older. Why can't I? So yeah, that was, that was kind of the upbringing. And again, in high school, struggle with a lot of that. Had some stories that went along with that. And then it just carried right over to the minor league, you know, kind of wherever you go, there you are, right? So whatever yeah. city, whatever team, same cast of characters everywhere in the locker room. And I was always gravitating towards the, you know, class clown, have fun, go party, carefree, which uh, nothing wrong with that for some guys. I just didn't handle it well. 
Yeah. Um, that was over, over the top for me. Yeah. I mean, with all that downtime, that, that could be a, a dangerous combination right there. So, yeah. um, so there's, there are some awesome benefits being in the major leagues, obviously. What are, what are a few things that were kind of your, your awesome things you were benefiting from from the major leagues? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, it's, it's a lot of things. It's, it's the fact that, you know, you've had this dream your whole life. You're seeing it come to fruition. You're, you know, competing against guys that you looked up to the camaraderie of the team, you know, all these different things. Also just your family and your friends, where you come from, making them proud feels good. Like, Hey, you know how it is. If you know someone who kind of made it, it's, it's a good feeling. And then um, on the flip side of that, you look a lot of pressure and there's a, like I said, my dad and I watched games relentlessly when we were, you know, when I was a kid and he's screaming at the guys blowing the games and he's upset (laughs) because they lost. I'm like, I'm representing the whole city. city." (laughs) Like I remember, my second outing was in Houston. We're playing the Giants, and I'm facing the Giants, and we walk Barry Bonds because that's what you did back then. And yeah. the next guy hits a ground ball, fielder's choice, so he's at second. I'm checking my runner, and my mind is going, that's Barry Bonds. That's Barry Bonds. <laughs> I got to get this dude out at home plate. So um, just the pressures of it was pretty tough. Obviously, I mean, huge honor, just an incredible blessing. But um, so on the good side, it was all the things I mentioned, and then, you know, with that came a lot of um, a lot of you know kind of pressure and things of that nature. Yeah, because you know your dad's at home yelling at you if you're gonna blow that, right? So you Man, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't mess around. Yeah, <laughs> one guy missed a free throw one time on the Lakers. It was AC Green. He was a great dude, and my dad said, "Screen, kick him out of the world." And I'm like, <laughs> "The whole world?" Yeah. Well, the whole world is a free throw, man. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just stuff like that that I would think about. I wanted to make everybody proud, and even yeah, yeah. So let's, let's get into this kind of, what was that one decision that kind of changed your whole path of your life? Yeah, Joe. Yeah. Great question. And so, um, man, talk about dates, right? Big league debut, the draft day, all those good things. Another date in my, uh, in my story, that's very, very important is September 13th. Um, uh, the Friday, like any other day, you know, get up, going to head to the ballpark. This point in time, I had really kind of gone back and forth. I had sobriety for five years. Um, had some tough things come up in my life, you know, lost that sobriety, fell back into um, some of my old ways. And so it's just kind of in and out of that, you know, battling, battling, battling. 2008, um, is that right? Yeah, 2008, September 13th. This point, I kind of, have you seen Bull Durham, Joe? Yeah, yeah. So I was Crash Davis, man. I made it to big league. <laughs> uh, I went back down to double A at 33 and was mentoring some youngsters that were just top prospects guys who are now very successful in the big leagues, really cool role. I, I relished it. It was great. Um, in fact, I was a chapel leader. So all these things trying to be a positive impact, battling those, for lack of a better term, those demons that I had. And um, man, on that Friday, they'd been asking me all summer, come out with us, pub. come out. And the older guy, come on. I said, no, guys, I can't do it, man. I can't do it. And I had a family by then, all that good stuff. And so sure enough, I'm driving on a Friday. I'm like, you know what? The season's almost over. We're in the championship series. We have a day off. I hang out with the boys tonight. Uh, I'm gonna give them that one, you know. But I had said it so many times, you I said, Man, I can ruin my life in one night. Uh, I said it, I knew it. And uh, they're like, Oh, come on, you know, they're young. And so we went out, we did what you do. We started in the, in the locker room, having drinks. We uh, went out, bars, clubs, whatever, the whole thing. And, um, and I'll tell you what, I woke up the next day, December 13th, same. I've been doing this for 15 years, same routine, man. I guess I'm to go to the yard, do your thing. Woke up September 14th in orange jumpsuit. Didn't remember, almost didn't anything. And yeah. I'm looking around. I don't feel well. I'm hungover. It's what in the world, man? Like that rock bottom you see on TV. Um, 
what had happened, and I'm careful with, because your viewers and your listeners, like what level of, of sharing I do, it's wide open. I'm, I mean, I have a book that's going to be in there. But for respect for you and your viewers, I basically had committed a burglary habitation with intent to commit a felony. So I walked in an apartment I wasn't supposed to go in. Um, there was a, a lady in there, 26-year-old lady, scared her. And that's the most important thing. I always share it. It was like, there was a victim in this decision. Like, yeah, I had to go serve time in prison. I, I guess I haven't said that yet, but if you know my story, I got five years in prison for this. And that ended my career. Obviously turned my life upside down. Um, so yes, one decision one night absolutely can, 100%. Um, but it wasn't just me. It was my family had to suffer through that. Um, again, I already mentioned there was a victim involved in that. Um, and it was this lifestyle of just living this life of, you know, we're cool ball players, we're going to towns, we're doing our thing. And I, it just kind of, I guess, all culminated into you feel like you're invincible and you're not. You, know, you make decisions like that and you're gonna, you have to get knocked down. And I needed the humility and I needed all that. And so while walking through prison, I ended up doing three and a half years of that five-year sentence. You know, it's not, it's not a fun place to be. Um, I think the worst part is just you can't pick up the phone and tell your family or hug your kids or, you know, and that's the part that really gets you, man. It really does. And you see some things you don't want to see and all that, but it's just being away, not having choices, not having yeah. freedom. And so, um, fortunately, I, I kind of took a, a real hard look and, and you know, kind of surrendered, turned my life over, took my faith more seriously, um, took positivity way more seriously. I was just in books, in class, in everything. I'm like, I'm not going to, my life's never going to be this slow. This is the time. So I took it as that. And um, I like to kind of talk about when Jonah had to, for those who know the Bible, he had to spend those three days in the belly of a fish. I'm like, man, I needed more. I needed three and a half years in the belly. So uh, that's what it took for me. Unfortunately, um, you know, it, it came with when I came back out and I had great family support. I really did. There's a lot of men in there that don't and it's tough. And so I did. I had great support network through the baseball world, but family mostly. And so I got back out, got back on my feet. Um, I have an onion sack over here in my office. Started over, 100% started over. Um, everything I had financially was either spent on trying not to go to jail or when I was gone, taking care of my responsibilities and that, that type of thing. So I had a Bible, I had some hygiene and an onion sack, and I took a humble job um, as a maintenance guy at a AAA baseball stadium here in Round Rock. Just loved it, man. I found when I was gone, when I was locked up, I had jobs like being a janitor, uh, working in the kitchen, uh, all kinds of things. And I just found that my peace, my true joy didn't come from my circumstances being a big league ball player or a world series ring or any of these things that came from having that internally so now whatever's going on around me not perfect i mean obviously i have my moments and things stink and life gets hard but uh ultimately that that true joy and peace is, is kind of filling that what i call god-shaped hole in my heart and i was filling it with everything else man i was putting alcohol drugs competing trying to be a tough guy you know whatever and when i when i got away and, I, and god did business with me it was like okay this is it. And so, like I said, still far from perfect, mess up every day. But at the end of the day, I did find out regardless of my circumstances and money or whatever the situation, I can be, I can have true joy that's, that's permanent and not based on my circumstances. Wow. That's awesome, man. So yeah, I heard a, heard a quote today that, you know, when you're competing, somebody has to lose, right? But when you're serving, it's just all winning. So it sounds wow. like you kind of that out that, you know, when you're serving people, nobody has to lose. Everybody's winning. That's where you get that joy from. So that, that's amazing, man. That's awesome. I love that quote. That's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you, so what are you doing now? So you're saying you're getting that message. Obviously, be going on these podcasts, but how are you helping others learn from this? 
Yeah, so a couple different ways. Um, this is one of them. I'm, I'm writing that book called From the Bullpen to the State Pen. I, I felt led to do that. And so that's going to be out in a couple months to kind of maybe get my story out a little more to folks who need it. And hey, I mean, literally, when I was in an eight by 10 cell, I, I was doing business with God. I was like, if I can help one person, I'll help. Them. So if I do your show today and one person's encouraged, well worth it. Uh, same thing with the book. It's not about money. I mean, whatever happens, happens. It's about trying to get a story out there and encourage others. But even further, I have a youth and high school nonprofit baseball program here in Texas. It's called GPS Legends Baseball. So we have from 8U up through 18U, and I stay with the high school kids through the summer, help them with the recruiting, but really it's just a ministry, man. Like I get to pour into them. They kind of, I get a little credibility because I made it, you know, in baseball, and then I get a little more credibility because they're like, I'm real open about where else I've been in the bottom, and yeah. hey, man, it's not all about that. So just really that's kind of my my the closest one that I touch is, is just those kids and they touch me more than I touch them for sure I mean just I never knew how I was going to get that feeling back of competing and working towards something well it's there it's coaching these kids it's amazing so that's that's where what I'm doing now that's most of my time and then now again the book and sharing the story has has kind of taken on a, a little bit of a life so I'm just I'm open to that whatever it comes up I go for it that's awesome, man. So, so when's the book going to be out? When's, when can we get it? Yeah, so um, I'm thinking I'm working with Streamline and they're talking about like uh, October. Okay. And um, but yeah, I, I would just say, you know, go go check it out at brandonpuffer.com and um, we'll have updates on there and then it'll be on Amazon, all that good stuff. But yeah, we're, we're just a few months away. We're working on that project right now. Well, that's exciting. I know that's going to keep changing more lives and, and you're doing that, man. That's what, that's what we talked about in the beginning that some people, they go through these experiences and they try to hide and they feel shame and they don't share and, and you're out there and you have to relive all your worst moments, but you're, you're still out there doing that. And I appreciate it about you. Oh, I appreciate that, Joe. It's very encouraging. And you're right. There, there is shame involved and there's embarrassing that you made a choice like that and all those things. And I just, um, to your point, I mean, when I had that time to really, you know, reflect and I just thought, you know what? I can't let this be in vain. I can't just put it away. And I actually had guys who represented me. I play baseball would be like, that's oh, just kind of, we got guys that can kind of bury that on the internet and we'll just kind of put it away. And yeah. like, oh, I think this is a bigger part of my story than, than the baseball, to be honest with you. So um, I appreciate the encouragement, though. It's great to hear that. Well, sure, man. You keep doing it. Keep sharing your message. Keep helping people. Like I said, if one person, if this helps one person, it'll all be worth it. Right. You guys, you guys look for the book. It's coming out October-ish. We'll let you know, but you go check out brandonpuffer.com. I'm going to link that in the show notes and from the bullpen to the state pen, which is a great title, by the way. I like that. And uh, keep, keep it up, man. Keep up the good work. And, and if I can ever help you out, man, please let me know. Oh, likewise, Joe. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. And I, I look forward to keeping in touch with you. Absolutely. Hey, you guys go pick up the book and share this episode. This, somebody needs to hear this. Somebody in your life, maybe it's a young athlete, maybe it's somebody that you know that's gone through some hard times. Please share this with them and let, let, them, let them know Brandon's message and, and that uh, there is a path to redemption. We all need that path to redemption. He's found his and helped them find theirs. So Grant, you keep up the great work. We're going to share this episode and pick up the book and we'll talk to you later, Brandon. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Make it a great day, man. We'll do that. All right, you guys, we'll see you next week. Wow, what a great episode. You share that with somebody. I'm going to share with you some awesome sponsors. McWilliams Marketing. They can help your business grow. Regardless of the size of the project, you're going to get a solution that is specifically created for you and your business. No cookie cutter, one size fits approach here. So Amy and her band of fearless marketers can help you with all that stuff that 
you think you can do, but you're not really that good at it. You don't have time for it. They can do that. They're the experts. It's what they do. Web design, online conversion, optimization, SEO, uh, graphic design, marketing, page management, all that stuff. Go let them do that. Don't handle that yourself. Go check them out at mcwilliamsmarketing.com. See what all they can do. They're amazing people. Teak Patnick with Patnick Realty. He really does it all in the real estate world. General real estate sales, acquisitions, property management, investments, all that good stuff. You're not just a transaction with Teak. He really wants to build a relationship for life with you. He has built his whole business on prayer, hard work ethic, honesty, and results. You can trust Patnick Realty with all your real estate needs. Hey, I trust my brother from another mother, Teak, and you should too. Give him a call, 256-694-0117, or email him at teak at patnickco.com. Hey, is your child struggling with math? Are you frustrated trying to help them? Then you need Mathnasium of Madison. They will meet your child where they are and help them get where they need to go. And they will do this in a positive and uplifting environment. You'll see measurable changes in attitude, confidence, and school progress. And go to their website, mathnasium.com slash madisonal, and sign up for the assessment. It is a risk-free and cost-free process that will tell you exactly where your child stands academically. Check them out again, mathnasium.com, madisonal. You know what you need in your life? Some apparel app. It's where I get all my t-shirts and the Hope Dealer stickers there and all my stuff over there. But you can brand just about anything you want there. Whether you have an idea of what you want or you have no idea where to start, they can help you. Go check out their website, apparelab.inc, I-N-K. You, or you can email them at theapparelab at gmail.com. Use a promo code RELENTLESS. Save yourself some money. Get some great products. Hey, these are awesome businesses. Go support them. They're out supporting positivity, and they will do you right. Have an awesome day.